The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Thank you, Stephanie. As we arrive at the end of Epiphany, we have this story as our bridge to Lent. Just like Moses was up on the mountain, and then went down and wandered with the people for 40 years, we are on this mountain, and now we go into our 40 days, starting on Wednesday. And we see Jesus transformed. The Greek word is that basic word metamorphosis. That's the root. He's kind of changed. He has a metamorphosis. He's transformed. And that seems um, kind of strange to us, but actually, like we talked about with the kids, we have all kinds of examples of people being transformed. Our movies are fascinated with them. Our literature is fascinated with these examples. Superman, Spider-Man, Batman. And now we have Iron Man. And let's not forget Wonder Woman. Come on. And, well, that's right, Jack. Oh, and then there's that real interesting transformation that goes way back, the Hulk. And we have our Transformers movie. Maybe these are so popular because it taps into our longing for transformation as we see Jesus transformed for metamorphosis. Well, let's look at this concept and let's get some help because you know what's interesting? Even though we see Jesus transformed, there's a different reason it would seem for Jesus' transformation than all these popular characters that we see around us today in our movies and literature. In those examples, 
the human being is transformed in one way, shape, form, or another to do something spectacular and amazing. They have some amazing power to do amazing things. So they're an ordinary person, but then they become something else in order to do their great mission. But it's interesting, when we look at Jesus' transformation, it's just for a moment. He's going to go down that mountain and he's going to head to the cross. What is the purpose of Jesus' transformation, of his transfiguration? It's kind of like, as I was reading this text, you know, have you ever been invited to, like you're a VIP, you know, and you get to go into the green room, you know? I had, I had a seminary friend um, whose husband was a really popular um, kind of, he made it into the top 40, you know, uh, songs and everything. And, and I remember we went to a small concert of his and we got to go into the, you know, the, the travel, you know, deal and we got to sit with the band beforehand and it was so cool. It's like, wow. I worked on the Lodi Arts Commission, and so a couple times I was in charge of taking care of the VIPs who would come and perform at their big performing arts center, and I got to go in the green room, and, you know, there's just something special about that. And, and that's, the disciples are the very important people. They get to go up, and they get to see something no one else gets to see. And Jesus tells them specifically, this is just for you. Don't tell anyone until after I've been raised from the dead. Well, we get to be part of that group now. We get to go up and we get to see this event that only the disciples saw. Why did God give this to these three? Why does God give it to you and I? Well, it's interesting. The new information that we receive that we didn't get at the beginning of the Epiphany season in Jesus' baptism is at the end where the voice from heaven says, listen to him. My goodness, why would we need to be told who to listen to today, right? I mean, we don't have anybody competing for our attention, do we? I mean, we, we almost, we live in this world of silence where there's no voices and nobody's saying anything. You know, we don't have screens that we have 24-7 at our disposal, the average time of which teenagers spend seven hours a day on. Adults spend three hours before you get too crazy. We can listen to whoever we want, spin the truth however we want it spun. We don't need someone to come into the midst of all that and say, hello, listen to this guy. Listen to this guy. By the way, just as a little advertisement, during the 40 days of Lent, we're going to start out with Ash Wednesday, and we're going to go all the way through Holy Week and then to Easter looking at the questions Jesus asks us. Questions from Jesus. That's what we're going to do. We're going to listen to Jesus all Lent, and we're going to let his questions dictate what we're thinking about. So I hope you'll make that part of your life and your being. Pour yourself into this, um, this season of the church that goes way back to when people prepared to be baptized on Easter Eve. So that's that advertisement, but 
Jesus goes up on this mountain. He's transfigured. We are the VIPs, and there's a reason. Listen to him. It's like this is a gift for us to make sense of what's going to happen. And, and so now let's just really dial in and look at this event. There's three people. Peter wants to stay up there, build a booth, you know, booths. Let's stay up here forever. We love those mountaintop experiences. But, but you know, so he's kind of foolish. He, he's like all of us. But all of a sudden now the cloud comes. And when you, you being Old Testament experts, like you heard from the Exodus story today, you go, whoa, cloud equals God. In fact, in the Exodus story, it's such a bright cloud, it's like a consuming fire. And so, so Jesus is up there, he's transfiguring, and he's white, so white you can't even look at him barely. And then there's this cloud, and what do the disciples do? They go, oh yeah, this is so cool, woohoo, let's have a party. Is that what they do? No. They are scared to death, literally. Because they know, they get what's happening. God, in all of God's holiness, if you were to be in the presence of Almighty God, you would be burned up, you would die. Why? Because God's so horrible? No, because we are sinful and we are not holy and to be unholy in God's holy presence would bring about a bad result. And the disciples know they're in trouble. I was trying to think about, I mean, we just have a hard time with this concept because when I think about how God's characterized in our culture, it seems like it's two extre- one of two extremes. It's either like a George Burns character, or I like Morgan Freeman much better, personally. I love that Bruce Almighty movie. Or we talk about God in some kind of Greek mythological terms or even like an immovable mover, some impersonal, far-off being that doesn't have much connection to us. So we struggle with this holy God and our unholiness. A lot of people don't think that's a problem. But if you you don't think that's a problem, then you're going to have trouble with the biblical narrative because that's basically the core of it. So we have trouble getting our heads around this, and I was trying to make an analogy. I think if I was with, I, w- I was with those disciples, the best thing I can come up with, because I'm kind of afraid of heights anymore as I've gotten older, is if you, you know, you put me up on one of those really high bridges and you put one of those bungees on my thing and said, you're jumping, you're jumping. I think that's the way I would feel. Scared to death. And then they would say, yeah, we haven't tested this out yet. (laughs) I mean, because you could die. And yet you'd be so excited and scared. I'm sorry, some of you folks are having an anxiety attack right now. Don't. You're not there, okay? Just imagine that. God's glory is like that. It's terrifying and wonderful all at the same time. And we need to get this so that now we get the power of this story. The disciples are on their knees, scared to death. And what happens? The voice comes and says who Jesus is 
and tells them to listen. And what's the next thing Jesus does? He reaches down and takes hold of them and raises them up. Wouldn't it be cool if Jesus would reach down and touch us and raise us up? I mean, wouldn't it be cool if Jesus just could be here and, and reach down? And This is my body given for you. This is the blood of the new covenant. Wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus would show up and touch us and connect us to him and raise us up and then say to us what they, he said to the disciples? And remember, God has said, listen to him. So what's the first thing he says? <sighs> Rise up and do not fear. Rise up and do not fear. Man, are we not scared to death today? If we really were in tune with how turned inward we are in our ordinary lives, we ought to be a little shaken. Are we not scared to death for our world and all the troubles and all the violence and all the hurt? Are we not scared to death sometimes for our own country, our own land, our own cities, our own neighborhoods? Are we not scared to death about our health sometimes and, and what's happening to us? Are we not scared of the changes we see all the time? And are we not ultimately, if we're halfway honest, scared to death about death? Jesus comes on this Transfiguration Sunday and he takes hold of us. And he says, rise up. Do not fear. Do not fear. How is it that they could not fear? Well, all of a sudden, you know what they saw? They saw Jesus only. Because when you see Jesus only, you see that you're forgiven. When you see Jesus only, you know that death has lost its thing. When you see Jesus only, you know God's got this world in his hands, and he is leading this world. And ultimately, even though we go out there and we do everything we can to live out his kingdom, we got to let go of the crazy fear we live with every day. Because I am, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say this, I am really, really tired of the anxiety and the freak out that so many people are going under because they're listening to this side or that side or this side that's ramping up the fear and people are freaking out and then we can't even have conversations with each other. Calm down. Work hard. Act your conscience. But at the end of the day, this world is God's and God has got it in his hands and we need to be reminded of that. Jesus, listen to him and let go of your fear. Be raised up and do not fear. And if your sin and if your brokenness and if your worry about death or your health has got its grip on you, you look to Jesus only. Because in him, you're his beloved. In him, there is no sin. In him, there is light. In him, there is life. In him, there is peace. In him, there is hope. Jesus only. Thanks be to God. Amen.